0: Today, we're finishing up our current series. And our current series is on soul prosperity. And we could really go on and on with this because what soul prosperity really is, is renewing your mind. See, we are a triune being. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body, right? Your spirit, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, was recreated, it became a completely new creation in Christ Jesus. You were baptized, now when I say baptized, I'm not talking about being dunked into water, that's just a religious ceremony that we do that somewhat um, gives an outward expression to what has happened to us spiritually. You, your spirit was literally submerged into Christ. There's different ways the Bible says it. It talks about being married. It talks about um, being grafted and grafted in, into Christ. Just like you graft a tree together. We, we, have, we have become one spirit with Him. You are one with God. When you are born again. And that's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. But we have a soul. And our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and emotions. Right? It's kind of our personality. And you're going to have your soul for all eternity. But the issue is, is that our soul, our mind, will, and emotions have been conformed to the ways of this world. And the Bible says we need to be transformed through the renewing of our minds, right? And then you have your flesh, your body. And one day we know that um, our bodies will have a resurrected body and our minds will be um, totally renewed when we see Jesus. We will be known just as even as we are known. And, And that's the full redemption package at the second return of Jesus Christ we 're living in this world we need we need answers for this world we 're living in right and to live the abundant life in Christ Jesus to live out these new creation realities, we have to have soul prosperity our our soul needs to prosper our mind will, and emotions right there is so we live in a culture that everyone or not everyone the majority of people are controlled by their emotions. I feel this way so that Is who I am. You know, there was a mighty man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, that he was asked the question, he was asked the question, um, how is Smith Wigglesworth feeling today? How are you feeling today? And he looked at him and says, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how I feel. I tell Smith Wigglesworth how I feel. How are you feeling today? What are you telling Yourself about your feelings—is it the truth in Christ Jesus, or is it a lie from the enemy and from this fallen world? In Third John, chapter one, verse two, this is kind of our um, foundational scripture that we've been using through the series. Um, this is John the beloved. This is this is John, the um, the, the, the apostle that was in Jesus' inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Um, this is the John, John that, in the Gospel of John, he wrote the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's interesting that it's in his writings that he says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. And it's, I don't think it, it, it wasn't him saying that Jesus loves me more than any, any of the others. It's him acknowledging that I am loved by God. Can you, can you acknowledge that today? Can you say that today? Can you say, I am the child that whom God loves? I hope you can. I hope you can. But in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, he writes, beloved. Again, we are God's beloved. I pray that you may prosper in all things. And in the Greek, that word all means all. It's all what's what is missing, nothing. Nothing is missing. Beloved, I wish that you. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And last week we looked at um, we looked at a, how a prosperous soul is one that will cause it causes an individual to dream, plan, and partner with God in the things of life. To dream with God, to have our imaginations influenced by our Creator, right? It's good to have vision. It's good to have imaginations. It's good to have dreams. It's even better to allow God to influence those things and give you wisdom how to walk those out, right? Today, today we're going to close. We're going to close with. Uh, one other way that we can make sure to have a prosperous soul and not have soul um, poverty is and that is by knowing who we are, what our identity is in Christ Jesus, our true identity. So here we go. You know the original sin was due to the deception of identity. In the in the garden, Adam and Eve. I mean. God, Really, I guess the first thing that, that, that Satan um, that tempted Adam and Eve with was a deception of God's identity. That God was holding something back from them. That God wasn't as good as they thought He was. They caused them to question God's identity. identity. Then he turned around. And cause them to question their own identity. See, it's, if you can allow the enemy to get you confused about the true nature of God, he can get you to be confused about who you are. Right? You won't surely die, but God knows that when you will eat of it, you will be like him, knowing the difference between good and evil. Adam and Eve were already like him. He created them. He says, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See how serious of an issue identity is. It's why we're in the mess we are in. Is because we don't know who we are. Right? And when we, and when we have a with identity deception, it robs us from everything God predestined us to be in Christ Jesus. Do you know that God has a predestined plan for your life? Will you cooperate with him in that plan? It, it says in Ephesians that He predestined us to be conformed into the image of His Son. That's God's will for every single human being on the face of the planet. And by faith. We get to step into that. We get to step into that grace of salvation. This identity identity deception, it weakens us. It it makes us more vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. It keeps us in a fog of confusion so that that we end up accepting everything that the enemy brings our way. It keeps us sitting in a prison A prison that has the door removed off the hinges. We have been set free, but because we do not know who we are, and because we accept a false identity of who we are, we still feel like we are shackled. But the word of God, the word of truth says, if the Son shall set you free, right? You shall be free indeed, right? Amen? It it keeps us in the shackles of condemnation. And and that word condemnation, when you condemn something, it it literally means not fit for use. So if you're sitting here today and you think that God cannot use me in any significant way, you are suffering from condemnation. The word of God says, for there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. When you understand who you are in Christ, when you understand your identity, when you understand your position in Christ Jesus, it will free you. It will liberate you from condemnation. It will cause you to see yourself as someone that is able to be well used by God, that you have been qualified by God. You have been sealed by God. You have been called by God. And we have been commissioned by God. Amen? if we don't have a rock-solid grasp on our identity, it will weaken our heart and it will cause our soul to have a poverty mentality. So many get our our identity from the circumstances of life. We find our identity in our earthly parents. and, And as good as some of our earthly parents are, they're not perfect. And for some of us, we had lousy earthly parents. And we have allowed what they have done, what they have said to form the identity that is within our hearts. other people have authority figures in their life that have formed their identity and 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 it it, it can it can be anywhere from a teacher to 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 a boss to um to a pastor, a pastor that ha- has, has spiritually abused people and brought condemnation and guilt into their life, brought control and manipulation. They can be friends, you know, especially in our teenage years and, and, and growing up with their friends. The, the, uh, so many kids find their identity and what their friends think of them. Now it's even worse with social media. My likes, how many friends I have, they're not friends. (laughs) And even man-made religion. So many people get their their identity from man-made religion. Am I good enough? Am I measuring up? Have I prayed enough? Have I read the Word enough? Have I done this, 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 this enough? Do I do I keep the checklist of their moral guidelines? Do I wear a tie? Do I whatever the list goes on and on with man-made religion. And we find our identity that we find and, and what's 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 scary about all of that is is that we find our identity in those things and then we get our security in those 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 things. And that really is what divides us. Because then we start pointing fingers at everybody that's not like us. In Christ there is no division. We all come in one. There's neither male, there's neither female. There's neither Greek, there's neither Jew, there's neither rich, there's neither poor, there's neither bond or or free in Christ Jesus. We all become one in Christ Jesus. We literally are living in a time when people are being told, our children are being told that you are born a racist. And other children are being told that you are born a, a victim. We are, <laughs> we, are not, we are who Christ says we are. And we are not victims, we're victors in Christ Jesus, right? And the love of God has been a shed abroad in our heart. Understand that there is an assault on the identity of this, of this nation and of this world. You, who you are, and the circumstances that you find yourself in, has a lot to do with your identity. We have been taught that we are what we do. No, you do what you believe about yourself. Religion teaches us, do this, 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 and this, and you're a good person. You're righteous. You're holy. The gospel says You are holy. I have made you holy. I have made you righteous. I have made you good. Believe it. And then live like you believe. You are exactly what you believe. Do you understand that? You are what you believe about yourself. And many embrace a tragic life of a hopeless future because of the way that they see themselves today. But that's not what the Bible, that's not what the gospel teaches, that's not what the word of God teaches. Um, Knowing your true identity will cause your circumstances to change. You want your circumstances change? You need to see yourself the way that God sees you. Because it will cause you to see yourself in a completely new way. We must learn to walk in our true identity, one that responds to God rather than one that reacts to circumstances. In the things of life, we need to respond to what God says about our circumstances, not fold under the weight of our circumstances. And let them conform you into the image of this world. We are never to base our identity on our experiences. Instead, our identity should be dictated by the truth of what God has revealed in the Scriptures. In Psalms 139.14, it says, I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul, we're talking about soul prosperity, my soul knows it very well. You cannot have a prosperous soul without knowing this. Do you know this? Do you know this today? You are awesome. You are wonderfully made. Are you able to thank God for that?
1: This is praising God. God, I am awesome. You made me awesome.
0: Can you say that about yourself today? If you can't say that about yourself, it it shows that there's soul poverty in you because you are allowing the world, your circumstances, your past, to to give you the label of who you are. Can you say that
1: I am a wonderful work of God? I am a wonderful work of God. Does your soul know this very well? Say it with me. Let's try it.
0: I know it might be tough. You might stutter a little bit. God thinks I'm awesome. God thinks I'm wonderful. And I'm going to agree with God. Amen. You need to tell yourself that more often. Because this is the truth. This is what God says. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus is talking here and he's given a parable. He's taking complex things and trying to make them simple for the people. And he's saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and for the joy over it, goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold everything that he had, and he bought it. Who is the man in this parable? Who is this man in the the parable? Some people might say, that's us. That's us. And, and, and Jesus is telling us we need to sell everything we have because, uh, and, and buy this treasure of the kingdom of God. Again, who, who is this merchant in this parable? And again, people might, might be thinking to themselves, we are like this merchant. We got to realize that, that the kingdom of God has great value. It's the pearl of great price. And we got to be willing to sell everything to obtain it. If that is what you think, if that is what you, how you interpret this parable. I have good news. You're wrong. You're wrong. That cannot be the interpretation of this parable. Why do I say that? Why can I say that with such confidence? Is because it's impossible. It's impossible. You could own the entire world, and give it all away, and it still would not even be close to the value of the salvation in the kingdom of God. You don't have enough to sell to buy the kingdom of God. You don't have enough to sell to to buy this pearl of great price, the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus talking about? Who is the man? Who is the
1: merchant? It's going to come to as a shock to you, but it's God. It's Jesus. So if God's the man, if God's the
0: merchant, who's the treasure? Who's the pearl of great price?
1: We are. You are. You are. That's awesome.
0: Yes, amen. See, when God looks at you, he sees both value and beauty. He sees value and beauty. Jesus sees what others might not see. Jesus probably sees something that you do not see about yourself. And as we say quite often here, let God be true and every man a liar even if that man is me. We lie about ourselves more than anybody. It's that self-talk, it's that self-doubt, it's that self-condemnation and shame that we carry. That Jesus wants to set you free from today. Look at this. Je- Jesus was willing to buy the entire field. He was he was willing to buy
1: the weed, the dirt, the the things that really don't have a lot of value to
0: obtain who He has created you to be in Christ Jesus he He bought our flesh, he bought our body, he bought our dirt so that we could receive the treasure of the new man, the new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus did all this so that you would see the beauty and value that God sees in you. People say all the time about an antique or a collectible. You watch, you know, it used to be Antique Roadshow, now what is it, Pawn Stars and stuff like that. People bring all this stuff in and say, this is worth this much. I got news for you. They can appraise things to whatever they want, but unless you can find someone to buy it, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Right? I mean, there there are things there are things that I have paid more for than others thought they were worth because I found value in it. You understand that? Another way to say this is something's value is not greater than the price someone is willing to pay for it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says, For you have been bought with it for a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. Do you know that you were purchased with a price? That you were bought with a price? You have been Redefined by the price that Jesus was willing to pay. You and I are worth the price that Jesus paid on the cross.
1: If we weren't, God wouldn't have paid it.
0: Do you see how corrupt our identity is? We think. It's holy, it's righteous, it's humble to say, I'm unworthy. I'm no good. I'm just a worm in the ground. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Do you understand that is an insult? What would happen if you had a piece of art? You, ha- you had this antique, you had this collectible, and you valued it. You paid a great price for it. You paid a lot of money for it. And someone came in and
1: says, well, that's a piece of junk. That's no good. That would be an insult to that individual, wouldn't it? We have enough manners
0: to not insult other people. Most of us do, at least.
1: But yet, in the church, we insult God all the time. We say that we have no value.
0: We are no good. We are not worth anything. That's an insult to the one that paid a price that no
1: man, no woman, no one could ever pay for you and I. You and I are worth
0: the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. And how dare we allow the world or ourselves to appraise us differently. God paid the ultimate price for you. You are beautiful to him. You have great value. Your soul must know this. Your soul must know this. You need to teach it to your kids. You need to teach it to your grandkids. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, for, though, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. See, religion has interpreted this verse to say that we, shouldn't think of ourso- we, should, th- we should think of ourselves in a lowly manner. But that's not what Paul is saying. It's interesting that Paul does not tell us how highly is too high. He says, "Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought." Well, how high we're we supposed? How high are we supposed to? See, this this is not this is not this is about seeing who we are in Christ Jesus. You are not to think you're you're not to think of yourself any higher than what God says about you. And I got news for you. We're supposed to see our brothers and sisters in Christ the same identical way. And by faith, we can see people outside of the body of Christ by this. We can go to them and say, do you know that you were bought with a price? Do you know your great value? Do you know that you were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ? Do do you know how valuable you are? Do you know that you were wonderfully created and you are awesome? Do you know the price that was paid for you, the value that you have, how much God values you? Isn't that so much better than you're a sinner and you're going to hell? It almost sounds like the gospel is good news, right? Right? Look at this. He doesn't tell us how high is too high, but he ties it to faith. So it's going to take faith. It's going to take faith to acknowledge who you are, how to think of yourself. And it's high enough that it's going to take faith to walk it out in the midst of the circumstances of this world. Also notice that Paul... Began the sentence with a conjunction. The word "for," for, through the grace given to me. And when he that means that he's, it's pointing back to the previous verse, Romans chapter or ch- chapter twelve, verse two, right? It, it's it's a continuation of Romans chapter twelve, verse two. So let's look at that. Let's see what leads up to us having to have faith to believe correctly about who we are. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the world is trying to conform you into something God never intended you to be. And we must transform our minds, which are part of our souls, by taking the word of God and sowing it into our hearts so that our minds can prosper and be renewed to see the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for our lives so that we will see our true identity, so that we will think of ourselves the way that God thinks of ourselves. So Paul wants us to see ourselves according to who we are in Christ, who God says we are. What is the identity that God wants us to see? Well, to find that out, we must look at spirit and truth. And and here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, look at this. Because you are. Is this past tense? Is this future tense? This is present tense. Because you are, because you are right now seated here, God has sent. The Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That word Father is Abba also. For those that do not know, Abba is a Hebrew word. And when a father would come home from work, and he'd open up the door, he would hear from somewhere in the house, a young child saying, Abba, 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 and running towards him to meet him at the door. I miss those days. Amen. I don't know when I went from daddy to dad. I like daddy a lot better.
1: They would hear Abba, Abba, Abba. And Paul is saying, that because you are
0: sons and daughters of God, the spirit that lives within you, that new creation in you, the spirit that you've been baptized into, the spirit of Christ, the spirit that makes up part of your heart. We we talked about this. Your heart is your soul and your spirit. And if our our soul is corrupt, if our soul is impoverished, if our soul is in doubt and fear and anxiety, we're double-minded. When our soul lines up with our spirit, then we are in one accord. And it's saying that the spirit within you is crying out, Daddy, 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 God's my daddy. See, Religion has a very hard time with this. Religion has a very hard time with this. You know, when the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray, he says what? our?" do you know what that word is? Abba. Do you know that's the first time that any Jew was ever told to call God Daddy? You know, in the Old Testament, even the the scribes, when they wrote down the name of God, tradition has has it that they would have to get a, a brand new pen, they would have to take off all their old clothes, burn them, ceremony, bathe, put new clothing on, get new ink and a new pen, and write the name of God. After they wrote the name of God, They would have to take the pen and the ink and their clothes off and burn it, wash again, put a new clothing on, new pen, new ink, and then continue. They didn't even see themselves worthy to write the name of God. Do you see how Jesus totally turned religion upside down? Totally turned the view. And, and, and our understanding of who God is. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the express image of God. And Jesus says that God is your Abba, God is your Daddy. And if you have a hard time accepting that, let alone crying it out, it proves that you have an impoverished soul. Because your spirit's crying it out. Your spirit knows it's true. And deep down inside, you know it's true. But because of the identity, because of the labels, because of the the way that we think about ourselves, we have a hard time seeing God as as our daddy. Our Heavenly Father is a good daddy. And He wants His sons and daughters to find security in their identity. In Him. See, God demonstrates this in his relationship with the first begotten Son of God. That's another thing that's interesting. In, 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 in the Gospels, do you know that it says that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God? Do you know when you get over into Acts and the epistles, do you know they no longer call Jesus the only begotten Son of God? They call him the first begotten. Why they call him a first begotten? Because there was a second, there was a third, there was a fourth, there was a fifth. And somewhere down in history, you became a
1: son and daughter of God. Isn't God awesome? Isn't God wonderful?
0: In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, it says. After he, speaking of Jesus, was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold, a voice from heaven, the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, with whom
1: I am well pleased. Is God pleased with you?
0: Is God pleased with you? See, this is, (laughs) is God pleased with you? Have you been baptized into Christ? Have you been baptized into Christ? If you've been baptized into Christ, he is well pleased with you. You need to understand that God made this statement. He made this statement about Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased before Jesus performed one miracle or fulfilled any
1: aspect of his earthly ministry. And God believes that about you independently of
0: anything wrong or right that you have done. Why? Because you are his son. You are his child. He sees you as a pearl of great price. He sees you as a treasure. He sees you wonderful, amazing.
1: Worth giving everything for. Unfortunately,
0: Unfortunately, the enemy knows this more than we do. Unfortunately, the enemy knows our identity more than we do. And he is the ultimate identity thief. And simple safe or Norton Security or isn't going to stop this identity thief. Look at this. In in Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 just after This proclamation was made over Jesus, and it says, And the tempter came and said to him, said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. See, Satan tempted Jesus to doubt his identity. If you are a Son of God, prove it. He don't do that to you, do you? you don't, see, we don't even call ourselves sons and daughters of God, do we? Well, if you are a Christian, why'd you do that? Or if if you are a Christian, you should be doing this. He don't do that to us, does he? And the problem is, is that we we don't even, he doesn't even have to call us a son and daughter of God because our identity is so skewed and so twisted that, we don't, even, we don't even, that doesn't even register on us.
1: If he, if he did this to
0: Jesus, don't you think that he's going to do the same to us? Do you understand? And what Jesus shows us is that we don't have to prove anything. You don't have to prove anything. Jesus shows us how to defeat the enemy. The enemy says, prove it. Prove that this is who you are. And what did Jesus do? Nothing. He just said what the Word of God said. He didn't fall into the tricks. He didn't try to make bread out of a stone. He didn't cast himself off the
1: temple. He didn't bow down and worship him. See, the problem is, is you think that you have to do something to be a child, to be a son and daughter of God.
0: Also notice this, that the devil removed from, the, from what, what did the devil remove from God's declaration over Jesus? See, with us, he doesn't even have to sit, call us son and daughter of God. He just calls Christian or a good person. If you really were a good person, or if you were, were a Christian, he removes son and daughter also from ours. But what did he remove from Jesus's? What was the declaration? This is my beloved, this is my beloved son. See, the devil always tries to get you separated from the love of God. Where we're not rooted and grounded in love, perfect love casts out fear. And he that fears is not
1: not in perfect love. God wants you in perfect love, and perfect love is
0: God. See, we live in a, in a society that even wishy-washy Christians saying, all we need is more love. We just need to love everybody. We just need to love everybody. You know what that means? If you have a true definition of love, that means we need more God. We need more God in our culture. We need more God in our ch- uh, schools. We need more God in church. We need more God in our families. We need more God in our government. Because God is love. You cannot have love
1: separate from God. He removed that declaration that this is my beloved
0: son. And what did he say? He just said, if you are the son of God. Also know this, just like Adam and Eve in the garden and also with Jesus, if we are being tempted to doubt our identity, it is for the one reason and one reason only. It is because the devil knows that we are exactly who he's trying to get us to believe that we are not. You can't be tempted to be contrary to something that you already are. You understand that? The only way you can be tempted is to act, be tempted to act contrary to who you really are in Christ Jesus. So I'll, you should rejoice in temptation. Every time you are tempted to act contrary to who you are in Christ, that's just a declaration the enemy's saying you are a child of God. You are righteous. You are holy. And I'm going to try to get you to act contrary to it. Jesus did not have to perform to find his identity. He knew his identity because his father told him who he was. And and the life he lived was by faith in who the father said he was. And he believed everything the word of God said that he was and was to be and was to do. And he fulfilled it all. And listen, you are not defined by your circumstances. You are who God says you are. And to the extent that our soul prospers in our identity in Christ is to the extent that we will live a life that reflects the Father's good, acceptable, perfect will for our lives. Soul prosperity is knowing and agreeing with what God says you are. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We do not do good works to become his workmanship. We see ourselves as his workmanship. We see ourselves created in Christ Jesus. And because that's our identity, that's how we see ourselves, we do good works. God pre- prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. These are things that God planned for his sons and daughters. Look at how the Amplified version amplifies the Greek words and defines them and gives them greater meaning. In Ephesians chapter 10, or 2, verse 10 that we just read, this is in the Amplified. It says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Do you believe that about yourself this morning? Is that how you see yourself? Well, Chad, that sounds like pride. No, it's not. It takes. It's, it's, I'm not going to think anything higher than what God says about me. It's actually pride to say that that's not me. Because you are elevating your belief above what God says. For we are his masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking path which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. When you see your value and your soul is convinced that you are the very workmanship of God his masterwork of art that is when that is that that you have been spiritually created to live out the reality of who God created you to be we don't we don't do good works to become we are so we do we are already sons and daughters of God so we live from that reality from that identity Jesus sought us out. Jesus sought us out. We, we, we read that we are, were the treasure in the field. We read that we were the pearl of great price. Another, another parable is, is we are the one sheep. They leaves the 99 and goes finds the one. Jesus sought us out. He came after us. You did not find God. God found you. He purchased us with his own blood because of the value that he's seen in you. The value that he's seen in you. He valued us and seen us as a beautiful treasure. Think about that. You, you are a beautiful
1: treasure. Some of you are having, just having a hard time with this. You are awesomely,
0: don't you love how the scripture puts it? You are awesomely and wonderfully
1: made. Are you convinced today of God's appraisal of you?
0: Are you convinced? Are you going to agree with God? Even if your feelings, what do your feelings have to do with it? What do your feelings have to do with the word of God? Despite how I feel, I am going to agree with God. I'm going to agree with God. And you know what happens when you start agreeing with God and rejecting your feelings? Your feelings will change. Your feelings will change. You will see yourself differently. You will carry yourself differently. You will dream and envision the future differently. You will see other people
1: differently. If you cannot say
0: that I agree with God's appraisal of me, you need to spend time with Holy Spirit. You need to spend time with God. You need to study the word until your soul is overflowing with the revelation of how your daddy sees you. You need to build up treasures in heaven. We talked about that. That, that's building up what God says in prayer, in the Word, until it just comes. The treasure storehouse within you gets so big that it, it busts forth in faith. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you strongholds that you have believed that, that have stolen your true identity, to confess and repent from those lies it's, it's good to say it out your mouth. Lord, I believe this, 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 and this about me, and I repent from that. I repent. That is not who I am. That is not my identity. That is, I, I do not accept those labels. I am a child of God. You need to get to a point in your life that no matter who devalued you in the past, you find your ultimate value in the identity, in the price that Jesus paid for you. How can you ever look down on yourself? How can you ever think that you have no value when you know that Jesus Christ died for you, that God Almighty died for you? How can we allow anybody to speak that over our children, our grandchildren? And truthfully, how can we speak that over the world? Because he did not only die for us, but the sin, he died for the sins of the whole world. We need to see those in the world, that they are valued. They, they, they have a destiny in God, and they need to embrace God's grace by faith. They need to know what God has done for them and the value that they, he has for them. You need to choose to cut yourself free from the deception of rejection and baptize yourself into the truth. Some of us need to cut ourselves away for a period of time until we get this identity built up in us away from contrary influences in our life. There's, there's some people in our life that we just need to say, look, I love you. I care for you. But for this moment in my life, I need a prosperous soul. And I can't afford the poison
1: (laughs) that you speak over me. You are a son.
0: You are a daughter of God. You are a child of the King. You are amazing. May your soul be running over with these truths. May you prosper in all things and be in health. Even as your soul prospers, Amen. Amen. We're going to close in singing a song about I am a child of God. And as we sing, I'm going to put um, Brother Tim on the spot. I'm going to ask Brother Tim to come up, He can stand over on the side here. And this morning, if 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 there are strongholds, if there are labels, if there are hurt that needs to be healed. I could pray for you, Pastor Tom could pray with you, but we are a body here. We're a body of believers. And and this is not to be the whole Chad show or Tom show, but it's all of us using our gifts to edify and enrich the body as a whole. And, and, And Brother Tim hears from God. He knows how to pray. And I know his heart, and he would love, he would love, he would love.
1: Listen. If you know that you need prayer,
0: you would be missing out on a great blessing to not allow him to pray for you. So as we worship, he's going to be over there waiting for you. And he wants to pray for you, and he wants to see God's will, God's love, and God's identity be manifested in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of truth. We thank you for Jesus, the express image of the word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. We thank you that we are sons and daughters of God. And Father, we thank you for your great, your great, great, great grace that is upon us all. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the value that you've seen in us. We thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans. You didn't leave us lost in this false identity. But you have called our name. You have redeemed us. You have saved us. We've been born again. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for that. And we love you. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to
0: www.kirisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly
1: favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.